There's a place in the Mojave Desert, a good 30 miles down a two-lane road from anywhere. Anywhere, in this case, meaning Ludlow, which isn't exactly Bright Light's big city itself. Anyway, if you happen to go there on a Sunday in August, as I did, when the sun ripples off the cracked road surface and the heat pile drives you right into the sand, you'll find something unexpected. People. Some of them from very far away. Just we, we wrote, uh, read, uh, read some uh, travel guides and thought it's a good idea to visit this place on, on, the, on our travel. So very, very interesting, very special. So nothing, nothing usual. So really nice. It's okay. worth, it's worth the, the trip. Welcome to Amboy, California on the old Route 66, the Mother Road. Permanent population, five. Just passing through, more than you'd think. This is Home, Stories from L.A. I'm Bill Barol. If you drive into Amboy, you don't have to spend a lot of time figuring out where to go. The cafe is pretty much the only game in town. Uh, just that? Okay, three dollars. That's Charlie Aceves. His business card says he's the city manager. He'll also ring you up for your water and power aid if he's around. I gotta always bring supplies, you know, a couple times a week. Um, Charlie's sort of a jack-of-all-trades, which is a useful thing to have in a town where basically nobody wants to come make a service call. We'll get back to Charlie in a minute. His boss is the guy I'm here to see. My name is Albert Okura, and I'm the owner of Amboy. I bought Amboy in 2005. And I also am the founder of Wampoyo Restaurant Chain. I started that in 1984 in Ontario, California. Notice he didn't say he's the mayor. Although, I guess he could, the same way Charlie calls himself the city manager, with audible quotes around it. No, Albert actually owns the town. The whole town. Well, there's, there was uh, six or seven or eight parcels of property. The main uh, town, which is... What everyone refers to as Amboy, there was a, a gas station, cafe, uh, 26 uh, motel units, a motel lobby. There's a landing strip that was sanctioned in 1915. Church, a church, uh, a church, uh, the peace building, the headquarters. And there's a post operating post office. Albert bought it all for $425,000 over Good Friday weekend in 2005, which makes this the 10th anniversary of his ownership. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness. Ten years. Time, time, <laughs> time flies. I never thought of that. Albert's an easygoing guy. He smiles a lot, laughs easily. Still, this kind of nonchalance takes you aback at first. I mean, if I bought a town, I'm pretty sure I'd know exactly the date of the day I signed the check. Especially if I'd put into the place, as Albert has. I, I think we've been averaging uh, somewhere between five and 10000 a month that we... That, to, to cover costs because he five, five, five or ten thousand a month, yeah, yes, and uh, that's been the average to, to keep the town going. I try not to interrupt people when I'm interviewing them for this podcast. You know, you want to let them get a flow going, but that's me. You can hear practically gasping in disbelief because, as Albert says that, I'm doing the math in my head. At the low end, his decade of ownership has cost him $600,000. At the high end, well over a million. 
And that's just for monthly upkeep. It doesn't include the $425,000 purchase price. This is serious dough, even for a guy with 26 franchised chicken restaurants. Family packs for everyone. Tacos for when on the go. Meal deals for the individual. All served with chicken so tender and moist, everyone will be talking about it. Juan Pollo, the best tasting chicken. Which brings us to the chicken. The chicken isn't incidental to the story of Albert Okura and Amboy. In fact, the chicken is everything. You gotta follow the chicken if you want to understand what's going on around here. Juan Pollo is an inescapable presence in Amboy. There's a Juan Pollo truck parked outside the cafe for special events. The cafe itself isn't licensed to prepare food and only serves cold drinks and snacks. The Juan Pollo name is plastered pretty much everywhere you look. It isn't quite Amboy, California presented by Juan Pollo, but the two are inextricable. The town publicizes the chicken. The chicken supports the town. And that's Albert's plan. I'm, I think I'm very fortunate by, with Amboy. My uh, uh, main goal is to get publicity for my restaurant company. And if I do well with Amboy, I get all this, uh, publicity because my company has the ability, potential to go all over the world. So I'm trying to build uh, goodwill, and I'll say, oh, this, this chicken guy, he's the guy who saved Amboy. And even if I don't do much right now, restoring Amboy quicker, as quick as people might want, the, the town is, going, is not going backwards. That's where Charlie comes in. Charlie's the guy who keeps the clockwork wound in Amboy. He's sort of like Jack Torrance in The Shining. The basic idea is to, to cope with the very costly damage and depreciation which can occur. And this consists mainly of repairing damage as it occurs and doing repairs so that the elements can't get a foothold. Except with sand instead of snow, and he's not nuts. A lot of Charlie's job consists of calling in repairmen from L.A. or San Bernardino, watching them carefully, and then going online to figure out how to do what they do. It's a necessity here, because getting repair people out from the city takes some doing, and their pricing tends to be creative. Usually when things break down out here, it's a high cost. You know, like uh, the gas pumps had given out uh, not too long ago. There's a lot of things that I don't know or I'm not experienced or qualified to do. So what we do is we hire, you know, professional petroleum companies to come out. But what I do is I watch them, you know. So the next time we have the similar problem, I know exactly what it is. Let me show you uh, this capacitor right here. Uh, went out on our gas pump. It went out one time. We had to make an a emergency call to a petroleum company, and they charged our office $6,000. And it turns out all they did was change this. So what I asked the guy if I could have the old one for target practice or something, and he gave it to me. I looked it up online and found out these are only 50 bucks. So the next time that happened, you know, I opened up, I turned all the power off, did everything, you know, the way you're supposed to. And I changed his capacitor, and I turned everything back on, and we were back up and, and running. Charlie, Albert, they're playing a long game out here. Well, actually, when I bought the town, I knew it was a long-term uh, proposition. So I'm looking at this like uh, a lifetime uh, project. And because the, the thing about Amboy, which the last owners, they got into it. They bought the property, I think, 98, 1998, and they were very ambitious of what they wanted to do, restore everything. And uh, the, the town, the desert swallows you up if you try to do that. Most people, they try to get in, in over the head. I knew this would be a money loser or something that would require capital every, every month. So I've uh, been able to weather everything. So I planned for that. 
you more or less have to take a long view in a place like Amboy. The desert is a patient, implacable adversary. And history hasn't exactly gone Amboy's way. This is the American dream of freedom on wheels. An automotive age traveling on time-saving superhighways. Futurama's free-flowing channels of concrete and steel. We all know how that one turned out. The Interstate Highway Act overlaid the continental map with ribbons of blacktop and reduced vast distances to easy commutes. It was progress. But it put the old network of roads out of business and reduced towns like Amboy to faded relics. In the glory days of Route 66, the cafe and gas station and motel had a combined staff of 70. Today it's pretty much Charlie and a guy named Mike who drives out to staff the place four days a week. Because the desert, the desert always figures out a way to win. The desert is pretty much undefeated. A lot of towns withered and died when they were bypassed by the interstates, but the ones in the desert were obliterated. The desert is an engine of destruction. The buildings bake all summer and blow down in the fall when the winds pick up. A few years back, the steeple at St. Raymond's Church, right across the road from the cafe, dedicated in 1951 and abandoned in the late 90s, the steeple had been listing for years, and then one day, silently, it just gave up and fell over. Albert hasn't gotten around to replacing it yet. He's been busy trying to keep the rest of the town from collapsing into the sand. It could disappear real quick. I, I, I really believe if I didn't buy it, the town would have radically, radically changed. They would have either tore this building down, the cafe down, and put a modern AMPM type of market, or, or it would have been fallen by the wayside and just fall apart because it does take a lot to maintain it, so I'm willing to put that money in. And so most of my money goes into repairs and upkeep. So why did Amboy, alone among all the orphan desert towns, Baghdad, Siberia, Cadiz, why did Amboy survive, sort of, at least long enough for Albert Okura to come in, his arms outstretched, to hold back nature itself? What did Amboy have that made it so different? It had the sign. Well, yeah, it, that, you know, in my opinion, that's the iconic sign of the route, actually, the iconic sign of the whole 50s. It just has that look. It just, it's just, it's something that uh, I can't believe that I'm owning it. The Roy's Cafe sign. The place is named for Roy Crowell, who opened it in the 1940s during the palmy days on the route, when Amboy had a population in the hundreds. The sign from 1959 is a magnificent hunk of googie-style design sitting there by the dusty side of the road, all crazy trapezoids in black and red and yellow and aqua. The sign's seen better days. Here's Charlie again. Well, right now it's non-working. Um, you know, the weather's got to it quite a bit. The last time I think it was actually on was in 79, you know, where all the neon worked correctly. Throughout the times, of, it's been changed where some of the words or some of the letters were, were kind of going on and off. Uh, but right now, it's in good condition, really. It just needs new glass, new electrical. Uh, probably around $15,000 would restore that back to its original state. And that would be a sight to see. Even with some miles on it, the sign is a gorgeous thing. It does, still, what good advertising has always done, even here. It beckons you. People arrive here in vans and buses and on crowds of Harleys, a couple of hundred a day on a good day, just to take pictures of it. Albert likes to claim it's the most photographed sign in the world, and it may be. 
Google Roy's cafe sign if you don't believe him. Now, if you press him, he'll admit that it may come in second to the fabulous Las Vegas sign. That one, as Albert likes to point out, has the benefit of not being miles and miles from anywhere in a climate where the weather alone can kill you, which is a significant advantage if you think about it. And if we do light that up at night, it will just see, you can see for miles and miles because it's pitch black here. There's nothing on around here. So we're the only place with electricity within miles. That's in the future, though. Maybe. There are so many more pressing day-in-and-out concerns. The sun, the dry, the heat, the wind, the grit. In the meantime, Amboy sits and bides its time and waits and holds the line against the fierce entropy of the Mojave. People come and go, wandering from the cafe to the motel. The angular 1950s front office structure, still dressed in mid-century style for a recent movie shoot, it's closed for now. But a Swiss artist came in not long ago and put some art installations in the bungalows which sit open to the air. And they take pictures and buy cold drinks and chat with Charlie or Mike. Meanwhile, the permanent population of the town is booming. Not too long ago, it jumped 25% from 4 to 5 when Charlie's friend Manny moved out from Riverside to help out. He lives in a trailer behind the cafe. I ask him what he does for kicks. <laughs> Watch people, see people. <laughs> Manny's been here about a year. He likes it. He's going to stick around. It's peace and quiet. Anybody's looking for peace and quiet. There is. You got to. I wish you could stay here at night and see at night the stars and all the, you know, all the sunrise in the mornings. I mean, it's really beautiful here. I mean, the weather is kind of hot, you know. But Charlie told me something similar about Amboy. He first came here about six years ago, and he fell in love with it. That's the thing about a place like Amboy, a place that's almost impossible to stumble onto by accident. Its people tend to find it. Or it finds them. People like the ones who, against all logical odds, travel miles out of their way just to see what's here, which, again, with the glorious exception of the Roy sign, is almost nothing. But what there is here, maybe it's just the mere fact that there's still a town here at all. There's something weirdly compelling about it. It's more than just the romance of the old Route 66. That's an abstract thing and commercialized and hard to get a grip on. But the concrete, visible fact of Amboy, it's like looking at a candle in those long, last moments before it gutters out and plunges the room into darkness. You're looking at a place that's suspended between life and death, between now and history, and holding on. And it leaves you with an odd, giddy feeling. It might just be the sun. But I don't think so. People like Reiner, the German tourist I talked to when I first got to town, they tend to leave here feeling weirdly delighted, like they've been called out of the unimaginable vastness and harshness of the desert and called back to life. Maybe it's not too much to say that they find in Amboy some of those things we associate with home, a little human contact, some friendliness, a place to rest and shelter, a place that stays with you. And just as it finds its devotees, it found its one perfect proprietor in Albert Okura, a guy who was realistic enough to know that the best he could hope for was to battle the desert to a draw, but also imaginative enough to realize that for his town, maybe just hanging on was really something else, a kind of victory. Albert's not a romantic, he's a businessman to his soul, but it's hard not to believe that he's possessed just a little by the crazy majesty of the place and delighted by the improbable touch of poetry in his ownership. 
There was, there was no emotion. I, I believe everything in my life has been destiny. I, believe my, I was destined to own a town. Because when you come right down to it, what's the point of owning a ghost town if you're not going to get a kick out of it? Who can say they own an authentic uh, Route 66 town and, and own everything in town? Who can say that? Nobody. 